Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. This episode is brought to you by AARP. 16 years from today, Greg Gerstner will finally land the perfect cannonball. Epic Splash. Unsuspecting Friends. A work of art only possible because Greg is already meeting all these same people at AARP volunteer and community events that keep him active and involved and help make sure his happiness lives as long as he does. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org local. Welcome to the Golf Central Podcast brought to you by the new P770 from TaylorMade. Why practice a draw if you've got a fade? If you can hit it high, why master the stinger? Because the key to better golf is having better options you can count on. That's why TaylorMade took everything they learned from making P790, the forged face, the speed foam, and all its DNA and put it into a smaller package. Introducing P770. Let the sibling rivalry begin. Available at your local golf retailer or tailormadegolf.com. Use promo co- code GOLFCHANNEL for free two-day shipping on any order. It's my special pleasure to welcome in Mike Shea of Mike Shea's Golf Performance Institute in California. Mike, uh, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for taking the time early in the morning. And I know you've got a lot going on with fires in your neck of the woods. So I hope everyone is safe. You bet. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. Uh, we, we're, I think we might be able to see the sun a little bit today. Perfect. At least we're seeing that. Uh, I wanted to get straight to it because I, I'm coming sort of fresh off Wingfoot and Bryson's victory, and we, and we all know what that meant to him, and I'm sure to you as well as to the rest of the game. But there's one thing that that fascinated me that he talked about in his post game interview as he's been on this journey, and he pretty much started the journey with you, and how many times he has gone down the wrong path and realized that and circled back around. And your experience with Bryson over the years, how many wrong turns have you guys made to get to that this one perfect right turn? Uh, I, you know, I don't know, 100? I mean, it, it's, uh, <laughs> we, we were talking about it the other night. We had a, a party in, uh, in, in Dallas on Sunday night, and, and uh, we did a little roast as well, you know, for Bryson, and that was kind of fun. Um, you know, thinking about all the phone calls I got from his dad going, what in the heck are you guys doing? You're wrecking him. You know, um, I got blamed for some of it. Um, you know, it was it just, it's part of Bryson's makeup. And I think that's why we got along so well, uh, that I, I understood that when he was, you know, 12, 13 years old. I mean, he wanted to do things differently and, um, my environment kind of, kind of pushes that. Um, and so, uh, he, you know, we've gone through some crazy, crazy, as he would call iterations. Um, I've ended up in parking lots at late at night doing drills against a car, uh, trying to go, okay, I think we may, maybe need to go a different direction. Um, you know, I, I remember one particular night, it was eight o'clock. He was trying to swing kind of like Mo Norman, but a young Mo Norman and, his back was hurting and it was in the dark. I mean, we, oh, there was 
two cars, my car, because I, I had to give them a ride home, my car and uh, um, some Volkswagen that we were doing drills against the car, right? And, and, and I think that was kind of the night where we decided that, you know what, let's go more upright because that'll relieve your, the stress on your back. And, um, and it was like, boom, instant well, it wasn't instant, but it was probably an hour of doing swings against this stupid car, you know, at eight o'clock at night. Um, and, uh, you know, there was the change. And, and then, of course, his dad's calling me a couple, probably a week later going, okay, this one length stuff, what are you guys doing? You know, and so, uh, I mean, it, it, there were a lot of different crazy turns and, and, uh, and um, flips. That's, that's all I can say. I can honestly say that to prepare for this interview, I sat down for like the last three hours and came up with 20 questions. I mean, you, it's a fascinating journey that you two have been on. And I knew this was going to happen. I immediately, right out of the first question, have two follow-ups. One, were you doing the drill on the VW car that you don't know who it belonged to? Yes. Yeah, I had no okay. idea. It was an employee, okay. probably an employee. I don't know why they were there that late. I, I you know, that was it. That's all I got to say. There was, that's all I remember. Under a light, one car, you know, him just literally going sideways, go, what am I going to do? I mean, and it's like, we just started talking and kind of thinking through things and uh, went from probably, you know, he originally started, he was, uh, uh, his original iron lie angles were six degrees flat. So think about that for a second. So let's say his seven iron was, let, let's say a seven iron was 50, 55, 50, 56, whatever lie angle. Now his seven iron can be anywhere from 68 to 72. So I've had it as high as 72. I think sometimes he hovers, for the most part, probably around 69. Um, so you think about that change. That's just absolutely ginormous. Uh, the second follow-up that I immediately had to ask, so in this roast that happened in Dallas last weekend, as I'm sure part of the U.S. Open celebration, were you roasting him or was he roasting you? No, I was. we got to roast him. So it, it was uh, kind of just a real small family and friends. And next thing I know, we were, you know, all right, let's, share some stories and really there's nobody that's got probably more stories than me. Um, there were some <laughs> stories from college that I kind of knew about that I probably, maybe his mom didn't want to know about, but uh, you know, that were good. So, you know, it was, it was a great family night and uh, it was a fun little roast. All right. We're a family pod. Is there one that you can uh, tell us that uh, family related? Uh, well, I mean, uh, the uh, man, I, well, first of all, I, I, I joke about the fact that Bryson used to open my place up at 7 a.m., you know, sometimes before I got there. And so it took me about four or five years to train him, but he vacuumed. He, every, when he got there, before he was allowed to hit a golf ball, he had to vacuum the whole place and clean and organize before he could actually start hitting golf balls. So I would tell his mom that, uh, you know, hey, I taught him how to vacuum. She, <laughs> argues, right, but... she argues that one. So, you know, that's for sure. And I have to say, I have cleaned his room uh, a number of different locations. I've cleaned his room. And I, so I have made fun. I've told, uh, I made this uh, little joke that, uh, hey, Chris Como, you're nothing until you, you pick up and clean Bryson's underwear. <laughs> that seems absolutely fair. I'm sure Chris would buy that <laughs> one too. Uh, I read recently in an article that you were interviewed in where you referred to him as, as obsessive compulsive. And the, I mean that, and I'm sure you meant it mm -hmm. and as, a, as a great compliment. Can you give me an example of that? Well, uh, you know, again, once he sets his mind to something, um, 
he's going to, he, and again, that's why we always talk about these rabbit holes and make sure somebody's there holding his feet, you know, because so, he's going to go down them pretty, you know, pretty deep. So, you know, I think the best example is of him taking on his weight change and his, you know, and his lifting. Um, I mean, he, you know, again, it's all under supervision, which is great. Uh, you know, Greg Roscoff, friend, I've literally known Greg for 30 something years. Um, he's a Fresno guy, believe it or not, and uh, just a, a just a genius as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, in the in the training world, but um, you know, again, you look at Bryson when he does something, it's it's never going to be halfway, and, and I think that's why I look at that as obs obsessive compulsive, and and so he'll look at something, and then once he grabs a hold of it, he ain't go he's not going to let go of it. And so um, when we did the, you know, growing up and, and his dad fighting me at times because he, he was doing things differently is that the one thing I tried to tell his dad all the time is that you have to let him go down these, you know, rabbit holes because otherwise he, he's not going to let it go anyway. And so why not let him experiment, test, try, check it off saying, okay, that's not going to work for my body at this point or my game at this point. Um, and let him go to the, you know, the, the, and here's the hard part. When you're 15, 16 years old and you're getting recruited for college and you're a good player, and here I am as a coach, a teacher, you know, I, I mean, again, the, he's called me kind of his second dad quite a few times. And, you know, here I am trying to be, you know, a guide in a sense as well. Um, Bryson, you know, if we go down this road, you might be playing some bad golf for a little while. I'm okay. I'm okay. Well, Again, there were, there were quite a few times where we saw him pretty upset uh, behind a van somewhere after he just lost to some kid that he should have never lost to, or he shot, you know, a couple over par or something. And so, um, you know, there were so many times where his dad was so fearful that um, he would lose scholarship, which he basically, you know, at times that probably did because of some of the things that we were doing. Probably one length clubs is another thing as well. That was not an easy process in the beginning you know we had nobody out there that had a golf club that we could say here this is our one lane club we had to do it all ourselves we had to destroy a set of nike irons that i had he had to figure out if that would work and and then we had to deal with the fact that did we kill the integrity of the club all that but again he went once he decided he was going to go until the end wherever that might be as it, as it speaks specifically to the changes, one of the changes that everyone seems fascinated on is, is the weight and, and where he can go from here. That was where the conversation went at Wingfoot. And he specifically said he'd like to gain another 10 or 15 pounds, whatever the case may be. 270, I think, was the magic number that he threw out there. But the other magic number is 200 miles an hour ball speed. And he's reached that under certain scenarios. Can sure. you see that as a regular benchmark of, of how realistic is that as – okay, he's going to average 200 on the PGA Tour. Oh, no that seems outrageous. Uh, yeah, that's no doubt. I, I mean, you know, honestly, we talked about that. Uh, we used to call it the crank ball. Um, you know, he had his fairway finder that he would always call what, you know, what he normally did. And then uh, right before the USM, we incorporated uh, a, a secondary motion that we called the crank ball, which looks very similar to what he's doing now. The only difference is he only weighed 160 pounds then versus the 240 that he weighs now. Um, and so um, I, I think um, that the two, you know, he routinely was probably up back then 127, 126 club head speed. He would get to 190 probably ball speed pretty easily. 
So it, it was always in play. We tried it when he went on tour. It just he couldn't stabilize well enough, um, you know, and there were lots of other factors obviously going on as well. Um, and so kind of gave up on that, thank God, because I think that's what, you know, got him to where he is today. And so, yeah, I think 200, I think 215 is in play, to be honest with you. I think uh, that potentially is, is, uh, is possible um, and possible very soon, you know. And so um, we'll, we'll see. You know, I mean, it's definitely what he wants to do. Again, I still go back to the fact you got to be a great putter. If you're going to win majors, you better be a great putter. And he's turned out to be, again, a brilliant, brilliant putter. And I, I never, you know, anytime I'm talking about his length, I'm always going to go talk about his putting because his putting is second to none as far as I'm concerned. Well, and I, that was one of the questions that I came up with because everyone wants to focus on the driving and sure. getting bigger and the ball speed and everything that goes into it. But if you look at statistically how far he has come in the last three years on the PGA Tour and putting, it is a phenomenal. I mean, it's almost astronomical climb from where he was to where he is right now. Is it almost overly dismissed because of what he's done everywhere else in his game? Right. 100%. I agree with it. I have to remind people all the time. It's ridiculous that, that, that people – look, he could be a shorter guy back where he was in length two years ago, and doing what he's doing now in putting, he's still winning. And to be honest with you, I might, I'll throw this one out. I think he would have won more already. Uh, you know, and I think the length, again, when you start hitting that length, obviously that brings a lot of things in play. Um, also, it's going to affect your approach shots. And, and again, that's been something I told him, um, you know, about a year, maybe in November, I guess it was. I said, you know, there could be a po uh, possibility that your stroke gain number could go down because what's going to happen, you're hitting it in areas that you're at this point not as strong as you should be. Um, and so, uh, you know, if, if that's, uh, you know, you got to look at that. So you're going to, you know, you're going to gain all these uh, stroke gain numbers on your length and he hits it fairly straight, you know, pretty hard, which is really amazing for the most part. But again, if you're not, you know, hitting a wedge, if you got a wedge and you're hitting it 25 feet versus, you know, 15 or whatever, then that's going to show a minus in the stroke gain column. So now his greens and reg might go up. Um, but again, it's just a weird, there's, there's an anomaly, I think, in the stroke gain number that's, um, I, I think there's a problem there somewhere, but, but, and again, I think I know where it's at, but anyway, I think those are the things that you see that have to be changed. But again, the, the putting to me, uh, considering he started first year was one fortieth, I think in putting, we went face on, you know, thank you USGA for that one. Um, you know, and they fought us on that entirely. I, and even Bryson talking the other night, he felt that was the best way to putt. And, uh, but they just were adamant that, that they didn't want him to put that way. And so every week we had to go through uh, his putter being non-conforming, right? And so, uh, and then they would approve it, putt, and next week again, non-conforming. And it was brutal on his mind. And so finally, when he, when that stopped and sent him over to the sick boys and they came up after a couple of days with the arm lock putter, which is, you know, something Bryson had talked about uh, in prior years. And so I, I think the rest is history. He just busted his butt, worked really hard. And, you know, now he's a, you know, top 10 putter in the world. Now, this is always unfair. This is what the media is going to do. So I am guilty on this one. We'll go back to the footage of him on the range of the Open Championship just a few years ago, where he was clearly not happy with his swing. <laughs> right, right. What we, what we haven't really seen outside of Mexico a few years ago is how much work and effort he put into his putting. Was, was I can imagine, and my, so my question would be, was the level of, I don't want to say frustration, 
but was the level of intensity even higher when it came to wanting to improve his putting more so than his driving? Again, that's what the focus is. 100%. Yeah, 100%. He, there, there was, it was rough, let me tell you. And so, um, <laughs> again, and then, you know, going to the arm lock and, and the nuances of that and the change and so on and so, uh, and understanding, you know, putting better. Again, that's another, th you know, again, you, you, you have to understand Bryson is that he wants to understand everything. And when he doesn't understand one little element uh, of the game, whether it's how a ball rolls across a green, you know, he, he can be really difficult to deal with. You know, why is that ball rolling differently than it was last week? You know, I'm not doing anything different, you know, and again, it could be the way the surface was. And so understanding that is, has been a journey as well. So all the nuances of putting, you know, I think he's, he told me the other night, he just feels like he doesn't need to practice as much, even though he still practices a lot of putting. But the fact that he understands the, all the elements fairly well, that influence of ball rolling, you know, towards the hole. Mike, it's obvious that you two speak the same language and probably have from the very start, whatever that language might be. Have you ever fallen back, though, on the old cliche that every golf coach would, that, look, Bryson, it's just golf? And if so, is his response to that to throw something at you? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that, that was, uh, yeah, that was never going to happen for me. And so, um, <laughs> you know, if, if anybody, I always tell people they should come visit the tent once, you know, because if you come to the tent, you kind of see a good a glimpse of a science project, basically, that's, you know, that's gone terribly wrong. And so, um, you know, th that being said, it, it, somebody like Bryson, who has that inquisitive mind, you know, it just opens up, uh, you know, a lot. And so, I, you know, for me, it's never just golf, never has been just golf. I, I tend to um, disagree with, you know, that golf is all about feel. Um, you know, I, there's just a lot of elements about, you know, the game that I try to incorporate into my students that is not feel-based. And Bryson kind of grabbed a hold of that as well, for the most part. And, and uh, you know, it's our, our saying has always been, do your work, execute. You know, everything else will take care of itself. You winning, all the other stuff will all take care of itself. Your only responsibility is to execute the shot in front of you, and that's it. And, and so, you know, we always knew that feel would fail us. We, we know that mechanics produces, feel re reproduces. That's a saying in the golfing machine. Um, but again, in the end, under pressure, we got to sometimes when you can't breathe and you're so nervous, right, what are you going to do? I can't feel anything. Well, you better default to a mechanic that you can rely on. And that, that was something I think that, that you see, um, you know, when Bryson taps into that, he's really hard to beat. I don't know if you saw these comments from Rory McIlroy earlier this year, and I don't think he named Bryson by name, but it seemed like it was rather obvious where he, he was asked about the difference of art versus, versus feel, or art versus science, I, mm -hmm. I guess is the way the question was posed. Did you see those? And, and what would be your thoughts? I mean, clearly the, those would be two different schools of thought. Well, I mean, again, there, there's another, it, it, there's a difference between feel and art. And so Bryson is probably one of the most creative individual. He, he's an art guy. He's, he's an artist. So, I mean, I'm, I've, I've been a potter my whole life since I was 12 years old. So uh, we have a little pottery studio, my, my daughter and I. And so art is a real important aspect of my life, Bryson's life. Man, when you get him in a creative environment, He's, again, he's amazingly creative and people look past that, but I don't view that as, as feel. I view that as, okay, here's a situation. What are you going to do? It's not, you're not in the fairway. You're in the rough. You got to go around the trees, you know, or whatever it might be. He imagines all that stuff of what he wants to do extremely well. 
in fact, that's what gets him super fired up when he can get in an environment that's so challenging that the normal guy's got no chance and he's going, look, I'm going to try to figure this out, you know, and that, that's what he does. I mean, we did it at the USAM. I don't know how many times where he'd, he'd, we'd, get, we'd be in a situation a little bit rough. We kind of look at a different angle and he goes, oh man, that's it. You know, and you could see his creative mind going, I can pull that shot off. And I think that's the greats. That's the Rory's, the Tigers, you know, Bryson, the Jacks. I mean, that, that, that's what they did, you know, extremely well. When you look at the game plan specifically for Wingfoot, and he talked about it, Chris Como and Mark Brody, and I'd be curious your opinion on this, that the idea being every – the company line was, okay, this is where he's going to be challenged the most because this is where accuracy matters the most. In his mind, it sounds to me like the minds of his, the people around him, his team, it was more of, okay, you can either do this two ways. You can make fairways wide open, which are going to benefit the long hitter, or you're going to make them so narrow that it's going to benefit the long hitter because no one's hitting fairways. Right. Is, right. That, is that the way you saw it? And where was the tipping point, I guess, in that scenario of too wide, too skinny? Well, okay, well, just talking about wing foot, um, it was interesting. I talked to Bryson on uh, – we were talking – I think it was Tuesday night about the driver and some things that were going on with the driver. And, and, and we still talk a lot about equipment because, uh, you know, my brain is – I feel like I'm about two years ahead in respect on equipment especially regards to um, one length and, and so on there, there has, there, it's just a different world there. Um, but I felt like, okay, he, he said, man, I'm bombing this thing. I'm going to bomb it all the way down there. The, the rough is at a point where I can get it out of it. I'm strong enough. My clubs are super upright. It just makes it that much easier to, you know, to, to get out of, out of the rough. Um, and so, you know, I felt like, wow, okay, he's, they definitely got it dialed in on how they're going to go. It's, it's an option. The rough wasn't, you know, it's not like it's 10 inches deep to where, okay, if I get in, it's an app, you know, it's impossible to hit out of it. Um, and so the option was still there. And, and obviously it, it, it obviously paid off uh, in a big way for him. Um, it's funny though. I did, I did predict six under on Wednesday and I predicted Bryson on Wednesday. My only regret, I, get, didn't, I did not go to Vegas to go lay that one down. I get Bryson. How did you come up with six under? I, you know, it was interesting. I, I had, uh, I, you know, I don't, that's a good one. A good question. A lot of people around the club were asking, cause everybody was talking about, Oh, it's going to be way over par. It's going to win this event. And I, I, a couple of people are asking me and I'm going, no, I, you know, I really think six under is the magic number. Um, and some of it was based on how Bryson was describing the, uh, you know, how the ball can roll up, um, you know, the false fronts and so on. So that it gave, there wasn't forced carries. So it gave some options there for the guys that were going to be, you know, very creative. Um, and so I really felt that uh, it wasn't going to be an over par number. I knew, I figured 65 was going to be, you know, early in the, you know, on a Thursday, Friday. Um, and so it was funny, all the people coming back to me again. So the question was, what's the number? I said six under. And of course, I got to pick Bryson. I always will pick Bryson and then twice on Sunday. Um, and so, and I felt good about Bryson just by what he was saying to me about Tuesday night. He goes, I feel good. I feel good what the driver's going to be doing. Um, I feel good about the strategy and, and I'm putting really well. So it's like, okay, well, I got to pick that guy. Um, and so, uh, it, it was just fun. Now everybody's coming to me going, okay, what's, you know, next week, what are you picking this week? So, you know, wish I would have gone to Vegas on that one. Cause that could have been big. <laughs> It could have been big. Uh, another patently unfair media question here, and I was reluctant to do this, but I'm going to go ahead and try. I'm going to ask you to put your blue blazer on sure. and assume you're in an organization like the USGA. How do you Bryson proof? 
a golf course? So, yeah, I, I already thought through it. I, I think I have the answer, to be honest with you. And, and we have the technology to be able to do it. So I believe that the rough should be scaled. So the closer you get to the green, the thicker the rough becomes. So let's say, for example, 60 yards out, the rough is seven inches deep. And as you go back, the rough is scaled. And so you could actually even narrow the fairway just a little bit, scale the rough uh, deeper. And as you go back, it gets shallower, okay, or not so deep. And as you get back, potentially a little bit wider fairways. The other reason that I believe that would really be great for the game is that brings back all the old golf courses, the golf courses that are almost becoming obsolete, potentially like Pebble Beach, for example. Um, you know, the golf courses that are not very long, the greats, I mean, that, that, that we just feel like in today's world, these guys will destroy it. And so uh, a little narrower fairway towards the green, thicker rough to where now it's, there's the strategy comes back in the game. Do I lay back where I can have a six iron? No guarantee of hitting that, um, that ball in the fairway. However, I'm not hitting out of this super deep rough where I would be hitting a six iron, have no chance versus now I'm, I'm at uh, 60 or 70 yards and I'm in rough that's super deep. I have to make a choice. That's going to be very difficult to hit close. Uh, I have potentially not even be able to get it out and, uh, and to be able to control distance, roll and so on. Whereas maybe back, maybe even in the second cut, it's not so bad. I still have a chance of getting onto the green. So strategy now, we're killing the game. The best part about the game is this to me growing up was this how you played the game the strategy of the game and and i'm i'm extremely sad it's become a bombers game and i'm a big guy i'm six four i hit it long you know um, and you've I, created the ultimate bomber here there yeah, is a uh, dichotomy no, I, I hate it I, I really hate it i think it's missing you know they're, they're the strategy the chess part of the game, you know, all the stories of listening to Jack and how he talked about the strategies and when he played and how he played, you know, and believe it or not, I used to talk to Bryson all the time. I said, Hey man, we want to hit the ball to the moon as high as you could possibly hit. We want to be just like Jack. And so when we're hitting the greens on uh, the major championships, man, the ball's going to land soft and it's not going anywhere. Same thing in the, off the tee. Hit it to the moon. We don't want it rolling so it can roll off into the rough. So hopefully you can hit it into the fairway or whatever, and it uh, you know maybe rolls out 10, 15 yards, and that's it. And so we talked about that all the time. But again, I, I'm that's to me. I, I you know, I, I'm an old schooler. I'm sorry. I just old school. Um, I love the fact that you can hit it far. That's great. But again, we're we're taking the strategy out of the game, and to me, that's wrong. That's bad. It has to be. To me, the, the, the art and strategy of the game has to be thought about. Not about, okay, let's shorten, limit the ball. That's way past. That's just not going to happen. You know, it should have been done 15 years ago or whatever it was um, after the Pro V on the, the first professional Pro V ball. Um, and so, but it's too late to me for that. And so, but you can, it, we have the technology to maintain these golf courses in a way now with equipment that we can change the golf course to make it to where you get up to that tee, you got to think about it. And I've had people when I've talked about this, they go, holy smokes, man, we can have a lot more short holes. Yes. Now you're talking, what does everybody love to watch guys hitting it on short holes and seeing how they screw it up. That's what's so much fun. And so to me, if we can get to that point to bring back the strategy, now set up the golf course. Make the guy go, okay, I'm on the tee, Bryson. 
going, I can hit this 380, I can try that, or 400, I can drive the green, but if I miss the green, I'm sitting either in pot bunkers or whatever, or the seven inch rough, I got no chance. I got to go back and I want to hit, maybe I'm going to hit three iron off the tee, or I'm going to hit driver and I have a seven iron in. Right? I mean, again, now risk reward. And now, again, I don't ever want to see Zach Johnson be kicked off the tour because he doesn't hit it far enough, or Brian Gay, you know, or even Matt Kuchar. I love Matt. But again, he's, I was just talking to one of my students yesterday, first guy ever to go backwards. He's 6'5", 6'6", he should be hitting it 350. He decided to go the other way. I'm going to hit it short and straight and become one of the greats. All right, so there will be those who just were listening to this conversation. You referenced ball speeds of 215 plus being uh, within that, that wheelhouse. And, and here are your comments, which are obviously genuine. And you, you're very passionate about this. In your mind, you were training the, sort of the next generation to take advantage of these, these lengths and these gains and everything you're trying to do. Sure. I mean, again, uh, it's, but here's the point. Here's the, the best part is that I trained a guy that I don't care what you give him. He'll figure out how to win. That's that's the whole point. You gave him this situation. So he said, hey, you give me this, I'm going to play within it, right? Same thing about his, you know, taking too much time putting or whatever. Look, I'm playing in the rules. You tell me what the rules are, I'll play within it. There's one thing about Bryson DeChambeau. He is about the rules. There is no doubt about that. And that's one thing I've always loved about him. He knows his rules. He knows his stuff. Sometimes he's a little obnoxious when it comes to how he responds. But again, the one thing about him, you give him the, you give him the deal, he's going to play within that. And he's going to try to figure out how to beat you. That's what he wants to do. So just give him another scenario. He's going to try. He's going to figure out how to win. It's just that simple. You have you ran your institute uh, for quite a while now. Ha has there been a change of the young players who are coming in who are willing to embrace, whether it be single-length clubs or arm-lock putting or gaining 40 pounds, whatever the case may be, now that this trail has been blazed, are you seeing 13, 14, 15-year-olds come into your studio, into your tent, asking, okay, I want to do this? Um, yes and no. I mean, that's a... Again, you have to be so careful about, okay, I want to hit it like Bryson, right? I'm 13 years old. I weigh 110 pounds. And so we, we can certainly devise ways to, you know, pick up club head speed. Um, but I've always been very concerned about anybody going, okay, I'm going to start lifting weights. And so without supervision, I've had so many kids in the history of, you know, I've been teaching for 40 years now. And that, and that there's so many kids that have, have had football you know, trainers working with them, you know, here, we're going to lift weights and doing all these things and, and get hurt, like you can't imagine. And so I was a very, very cautious with Bryson growing up, we did everything we did in respect to tra uh, strength training was always golf specific and golf related, and always, you know, let's be careful what we're doing. And so um, I, it concerns me because it's, it's difficult to find the right people to help somebody you know get stronger but also they're growing their bones are growing their bodies changing and so you have to be very very careful you know with that um i have some kids that are very small you know i, I mean again there's there and maybe when they're 20 they might be able to bang it but right now if, if i got a 12 year old kid and the only weighs 85 90 pounds 
I mean, how far is he going to hit it or she going to hit it? So, um, you know, we have to understand what their weaknesses are and then try to develop strengths that can over, you know, overdo that. So it, it's a, it's a real difficult one. Bryson knows that we've talked about it a lot. Be careful what he says, you know, in respect to, you know, um, getting stronger and so on. It's just so important to make sure that you're supervised properly. Going back to, I, I believe he was 13 when he first started working with you, Mike. Am I incorrect uh, on that? I mean, I've known it. I've known Bryson since he was seven, eight. So he used to hang out in the tent when he was young. Um, and then 11, 12 is when he finally said, hey, you know, you, I want you to be my coach. And his, he went and told his dad. And his dad keeps saying that he's the one that sent him over my way. So we'll see about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm curious what, all right, even better. I'm curious what he was like as a seven-year-old. Was he engaging? Was he inquisitive? Was he, oh, yeah, he seems to me he questions things so much. Yeah, hundred percent. He was fun. He was fun to be you know, around. He was uh, always hanging out with us and, and uh, he'd go beat the older kids and putting games and, you know, all the things that we would normally do on a, on a given day. And so, uh, yeah, it was always in, engaging, inquisitive. And I think that's why he loved being in there. He saw, you know, a lot of my, the kids that I had that were really good. And he said, wow, these guys are all good. It's fun in here. And, and um, you know, as you got a little bit older and it was, uh, it was just a natural progression, I think. Every kid of a certain generation, probably Bryson's generation, will point to Tiger Woods as the person that that's who you wanted to be like. You make putts on a green to win the 2008 U.S. Open, right. whatever the case may be. How far is Bryson from that, in your opinion? from being that trailblazer? Uh, well, I, you know, I, I, we were, it's funny, I, I have shared that story a lot. Uh, we were in LA, I think we were going to meet Mark Wahlberg and Justin Timberlake. And he was, uh, we were in the car and I said, you know, I want you to understand something that you could, based on what you do. So, yeah, I mean, think about Bryson just for a second. I mean, first of all, he's got these one length golf clubs. They're super upright. Then you put the ginormous, you know, Jumbo Max grips on. And then he wears that stupid hat and, and then, and then he swings a little funny, right? You put all these little things into that bucket. It, it makes for like, well, that's okay for Bryson, but nobody else is going to, you know, get that. And so I, I, I told them when we were in LA, I said, you could win five, six, seven events tour, maybe even more. You're probably, you know, you could win a couple of majors, be number one in the world and people will still dismiss what you're doing and and he looked at me he said you really you, that's what you think I said I know that's what there's no doubt in my mind Bryson and I know you want to change the game I know you want to make it easier for people to play I know you want people to enjoy the game that's just you know what you've always you know dreamed about and what you how you want to participate in the game but that's the way it's going to be. And, and I don't think it's going to be until maybe you win three or four majors. Maybe you're number one for a long time, which, by the way, I firmly believe he will do. Um, then all of a sudden people will realize that, wow, this does work. I think what will also happen, and I told him this too as well, it's going to take another person that maybe comes on that's maybe not swinging like you upright, but swinging the one-length golf clubs and some things that are similar that – okay, wow, this is, this is real. Look, Bobby Jones won the Grand Slam with single-length golf clubs. We forget about that, but that's how it was in the beginning. And so some of that stuff is not, not new. Um, but as far as his system and how he goes, I mean, how he does things, I mean, there's a lot of that that a lot of kids, I don't care where they are, they don't, it's not about how smart you are or whatever. It's just 
understanding the game and all the nuances that go with the game that can help you make better decisions. That's all he's trying to do. And again, I think when people catch that, there you go. I, I think Tiger was Tiger, so unique in so many ways. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, but Bryson definitely is trailblazing something that's, uh, you know, we've, we've never seen and you can't discount it. There's no way you can discount what he's doing. Do you enjoy being part of the journey? I mean, you've been there, as you pointed out, for a long time. How much, what's it like to be on the inside watching? Uh, you know, it, it's, I, I, I get, if you look at it from, I always look at it from the wins and the, the, you know, the end result was great. Yeah, awesome. It was like, he, we call, he talked to me on Sunday night after he won and, and he goes, how you, you know, what are you thinking? And I said, you know, I'm excited. I'm glad, but it's almost like I knew it was going to happen. So it's really weird. You know, I, I'm fired up for it, but, and, and he goes, you know what? I feel the same way. He goes, I just knew it was going to happen. And I said, there's no doubt in my mind, Bryson, that it was going to happen. It was just, and, and I knew it was hopefully going to be sooner than later. Um, and so he goes, well, I feel like it's been a long time. And I said, oh, you're still young, dude. I mean, you got a long ways to go, especially you're going to live to 140. So, you know, I mean, it's just, it, again, it's, it, it's, a, it's cool. It's been awesome. But again, I'm considered, you, you think Bryson's crazy. They think I'm even crazier in my neck of the woods. And so, uh, you know, they see my tent, they see all the equipment, they see technology, they see all this stuff like, oh man, it's way too much. You know, just play golf, right? You know, but, but that's the point. I've always had a lot of good players I've worked with and, and uh, I feel fortunate. Guys like Bill Glasson, who's, uh, you know, one of my closest friends who I've had a chance to work with and caddy for. And, uh, and that, that helped Bryson too. I mean, it, it just, again, that's just all part of it. And I love what I do. I'm fortunate my wife let me, you know, do more coaching than teaching. So that officially made us broke. And so, but I felt that was the right thing to do, you know, versus, you know, teach that hour on the hour lesson. I just felt like coaching was such a better way, you know, to develop, uh, you know, better players. So, but that also meant under knowing their prom dates, uh, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, and all that and, and so on. And so, cause that's all discussed all the time in the tent. And so, uh, but that's part of life. And so, you know, when those things go bad, how do I still go play good golf? Not easy sometimes. Mike, I can't thank you enough for joining us. I am kind of bummed that Bandit didn't make an appearance. Maybe next time yeah, we can get him on. He's been going in between my feet as we're going along. So it, It's time for his walk. Thank you so much. I look forward to talking with you soon. Anytime. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, essential plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.